Darker. I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for joining me as I delve into my fascination of fairy tales and myths. In each episode, Jay Stinnett or Damian Drake will tell us a story. Then I, Regina Drake, will review the points of the fairy tale I found most interesting, dark, or downright unforgivable. If possible, I will share with you the suspected origin of the tale, hence the even darker. Take heed, these stories are in original early content, not the big mouse version. No shade on him, but this is not for the young. For our eighth episode, it will be the final installment of Cinderella. I promise. The first version we will cover is Alelara. It's from Germany. The author is the Brothers Grimm, and the year is 1819. And now for our story. The story of Alaleho. A king promised his dying wife that he would not remarry unless it was to a woman who was as beautiful as she was. And when he looked for a new wife, he realized that the only woman that could match her beauty was his own daughter. The daughter tried to make the wedding impossible by asking for three dresses, one as golden as the sun, one as silver as the moon, and one as dazzling as the stars, and a mantle made from fur of every kind of bird and animal in the kingdom. When her father provided them, she took them with a golden ring and spindle and a golden reel and ran from the castle that night before the wedding. She ran far away to another kingdom and slept in the great forest there, but the young king of that place and his dogs found her while he was hunting. She asked the king to have pity on her and receive a place in the kitchen where she could work, and because she gave no name, she was called All Kinds of Fur. When the king held a ball, she snuck out and went to it in her golden dress. The next morning, the cook set her to make soup for the king, and she put her golden ring in it. The king found it and questioned the cook and then all kinds of fur, but she revealed nothing. The next ball, she went dressed in her silver dress and put the golden spindle in the soup, and the king again could not discover nothing. The third ball, she went in the star dress, and the king slipped a golden ring on her finger without her noticing it and ordered the last dance to go longer than usual. She was not able to get away in time to change, but she was able only to throw her fur mantle over her clothing before she had the cook do the soup. When the king questioned her, he caught her hand seeing the ring, and when she tried to pull it away, her mantle slipped, revealing the dress of stars. The king pulled off the mantle, revealing her, and they married. Well, here we are again, folks. The narrative must change. Could the story get any worse? Well, of course it can. This is even darker. Okay, there's a legend of Saint Dathina from the seventh century. She was an Irish virgin. When she was 15 years old, her father insisted on marrying her to replace her dead mother. She fled Ireland for Glee or Gil, Belgium. But her father found her and beheaded her when she wouldn't return to Ireland and marry him. I was intrigued to find out that this saint 
had reports of miraculously curing mentally, emotionally, and neurologically afflicted, enough so that she was canonized. And when, you know, these are pilgrims to her grave, and they were, they were cured, right? Her patronage extends to survivors of incest, rape, and also runaways. If you're new to the podcast, make sure to check out episode one, which is the fairy tale of Rapunzel. And we are told the story in that of St. Barbara, who is believed to be the origin of that fairy tale. And it's amazing. Who would say you can only remarry if she's more beautiful than me or as beautiful as me? I mean, wow vain much the daughter trying to outmaneuver her father king with an amazing shopping list and then finally running away and she takes all that stuff with her which is pretty amazing she could carry it all and uh, then then we went to a part that was familiar to me at least because we have the three balls and instead of the shoe him catching her with the shoe the the new king this other king it's a ring, which was kind of funny. But um, what's with the soup? I mean, I just thought kings ate better than just soup. It's always she's making soup, right? As promised, now for even darker. The Baba Yaga. Once upon a time, there was an old couple. The husband lost his wife and married again, but he had a daughter by the first marriage, a young girl, and she found no favor in the eyes of her evil stepmother, who used to beat her and consider how she could get her killed outright. One day, the father went away somewhere or another, so the stepmother said to the girl, Go to your aunt, my sister, and ask her for a needle and thread to make you a shift. Now that aunt was a Baba Yaga. Well, the girl was no fool, so she went to her real aunt's first and says she, Good morning, auntie. Good morning, my dear. What have you come for? Mother has sent me to her sister to ask for a needle and thread to make her a shift. Then her aunt instructed her what to do. There is a birch tree there, niece, which which would hit you in the eye. You must tie a ribbon around it. There are doors which would creak and bang. You must pour oil on the hinges. There are dogs which would tear you to pieces. You must throw them these rolls. There is a cat which would scratch your eyes out. You must give it a piece of bacon. So the girl went away and walked and walked till she came to the place. There stood a hut and in the weaving, the Baba Yaga, the bony shank. Good morning, auntie, says the girl. Good morning, my dear, replies the Baba Yaga. Mother has sent me to ask you for a needle and thread to make me a shift. Very well, sit down, weave a little in the meantime. So the girl sat down behind the loom, and the Baba Yaga went outside and said to her servant maid, Go and heat a bath and get my niece washed, and mind you look sharp after her. I want to breakfast off of her. Well, the girl sat there in such a fright, she was as much dead as alive. Presently, she spoke imploringly to the servant maid, saying, 
king's woman dear do please wet the firewood instead of making it burn and fetch the water for the bath in a sieve and she made her a present of a handkerchief the baba yaga waited a while then she came to the window and asked are you weaving niece are you weaving my dear oh yes dear aunt i'm weaving so the baba yaga went away again and the girl gave the cat a piece of bacon and asked is there no way escaping from here here's a comb for you and a towel said the cat take them and be off the baba yaga will pursue you but you must lay your ear to the ground and when you hear that she is close at hand first of all throw down the towel it will become wide 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 river and if the baba yaga gets across that river and tries to catch you then you must lay your ear to the ground again and when you hear that she is close at hand throw down the comb it will become a dense dense forest though she will not be able to force her way through anyhow the girl took the towel and the comb and fled the dogs would have rent her but she threw them rolls and they let her go by the doors would have bang 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 but she poured oil on the hinges and they let her pass through the birch tree would have poked her eyes out, but she tied the ribbon around it and it let her pass on. And the cat sat down at the loom and worked away, muddled everything about if it didn't do much weaving. Up came Baba Yaga to the window and asked, Are you weaving, niece? Are you weaving, my dear? I'm weaving, dear aunt. I'm weaving, dear auntie. I'm weaving, gruffly replied the cat. The Baba Yaga rushed into the hut, saw the girl was gone, and took to beating the cat and abusing it for not have scratched the girl's eyes out. Long as I've served you, said the cat, you've never given me so much as a bone, but she gave me bacon. Then the Baba Yaga pounced upon the dogs, on the door, on the birch tree, and on the servant maid, and set to work to abuse them all and to knock them all about. Then the dog said to her, long as we've served you you've never so much as pinched a burnt crust but she gave us rolls and the door said long as we've served you you've never poured even a drop of water on our hinges but she poured oil on us the birch tree said long as i've served you you've never tied a single thread around me but she fashioned a bow around me and the servant maid said long as i've served you you've never given me so much as a rag but she gave me a handkerchief. The Baba Yaga, bony of limb, quickly jumped into her motor, sent it flying along with a pestle sweeping away while all the traces of flight with a broom and set off in pursuit of the girl. The girl put her ear to the ground and when she heard the Baba Yaga was chasing her and was now close at hand, she flung down the towel and it became a wide, wide such a wide river up came baba yaga to the river and gnashed her teeth with spite then she went home for her oxen and drove them to the river the oxen drank up every drop of the river and then the baba yaga began to pursue anew and the girl put her ear to the ground again and when she heard that the baba yaga was near she flung down the comb and instantly a forest sprang up such an awfully thick one that the baba yaga began gnawing away at it but however hard she worked she couldn't gnaw her way through it so she began her way back again but by this time the girl's father had returned home and asked where's my daughter she's gone to her aunts replied the stepmother soon afterward the girls herself came running home where have you been asked father 
Ah, father, she said, mother sent me to ants to ask for a needle and thread and to make her a chef. But ants are Baba Yaga, and she wanted to eat me. And how did you get away, daughter? Well, like this, said the girl, and explained the whole matter. As soon as her father heard all about it, he became worth with his wife and shot her. But he and his daughter lived and flourished, and everything went well for them. Baba Yaga is found in a Russian grammar textbook in 1755. Her stories are considered Slavic folklore, and they come from the people of northern Russia and Finland. There are statues named Yaga, and the Russian soldiers called them Golden Babas. So Baba stands for, I believe, grandmother, but Yaga stands for wicked, twisted, or evil. This version comes from Russia, and believe it or not, it's considered a Cinderella tale. And I'm going to dedicate this story to my daughter, Brittany, who first told me about Baba Yaga and how she flew on a pestle from a mortar, you know, the thing that you grind herbs or pills with. There are longer versions, and they contain more extensive abuse of the little girl, the little beautiful girl. I don't know about you, but I really think that this is more reminiscent of like Red Riding Hood or even a little bit like Hansel and Gretel. Maybe it's just the witch wanting to her bathe and eat her, you know, maybe that's why I lean towards that. But hey, who ever heard of talking cats who eat bacon? <laughs> I love it. Everyone rose up against Baba Yaga in the end, except the servant maid. I don't know what happened to that girl. There were sure a lot of beatings thrown around in this story. And thank goodness the girl's aunt knew about the branch, the door, the dogs, the cat. Whew. We hadn't even gotten to the witch yet. And take your towel, very hitchhiker's guide. And uh, then we end with what? Stepmother's shot. Is this our first gun violence story? I think it might be. And now for our weekly installment of Pinocchio. Chapter four, the story of Pinocchio and the talking cricket in which one sees that bad children do not like to be corrected by those who know more than they do. Very little time did it take to get poor old Geppetto to prison. In the meantime, that rascal Pinocchio, free now from the clutches of the carboner, was running wildly across the fields and meadows, talking, taking one shortcut after another toward home. In his wild flight, he leaped over brambles and bushes and across brooks and ponds as if he were a goat or a hare being chased by hounds. On reaching home, he found the door half open. He slipped into the room, locked the door, and threw himself on the floor, happy at his escape. But his happiness 
only lasted a short time, for just then he heard someone saying, Cree, cree, cree. Who's calling me? asked Pinocchio, greatly frightened. I am. Pinocchio turned and saw a large cricket crawling slowly up the wall. Tell me, cricket, who are you? I am the talking cricket, and I have been living in this room for more than 100 years. Today, however, this room is mine, said the marionette, and if you wish to do me a favor, get out now and don't turn around even once. I refuse to leave this spot, answered the cricket, until I've told you a great truth. Tell it then, and hurry. Woe to boys who refuse to obey their parents and run away from home. They will never be happy in this world, and when they are older, they will be very sorry for it. Sing on, cricket, mine as you please. What I know is that tomorrow at dawn I will leave this place forever. If I stay here, the same thing will happen to me, which happens to all other boys and girls. They're sent to school, and whether they want to or not, they must study. As for me, let me tell you, I hate to study. It's much more fun, I think, to chase after butterflies, climb trees, and steal birds' nests. Poor little silly. Don't you know that if you go on like that, you'll grow into a perfect donkey and that you'll be the laughing stock of everyone? Keep still, you ugly cricket, said Pinocchio. But the cricket, who was a wise old philosopher, instead of being offended at Pinocchio's impudence, continued in the same tone. If you do not like going to school, why don't you at least learn a trade so that you can earn an honest living? Shall I tell you something, asked Pinocchio, who was beginning to lose patience. Of all the trades in the world, there is only one that really suits me. And what can that be? That of eating, drinking, sleeping, playing, and wandering around from morning till night. Let me tell you, for your own good, Pinocchio said the talking cricket in his calm voice, that those who follow that trade always end up in the hospital or in prison. Careful, ugly cricket, if you make me angry, you'll be sorry. Poor Pinocchio, I am sorry for you. Why? Because you're a marionette, and, what is much worse, you have a wooden head. At these last words, Pinocchio jumped up in a fury, took a hammer from the bench, and threw it with all his strength at the talking cricket. Perhaps he did not think he would strike it, but, sad to relate, my dear children, he hit the cricket straight on its head. With a last weak cree, 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 the poor cricket fell from the wall, dead. So, where to begin? Pinocchio is one cheeky bugger. Saucy Woodenhead. And it's the first time we hear about turning into a donkey, too. He killed Jiminy Cricket. Can you believe it? I mean, how can that be? Bad children don't like to be corrected. Mm, I think he shot right past bad. I don't think Pinocchio's bad. I think he's a murderer. That's it. Don't you? I hope you enjoyed this podcast of Even Darker. 
please give us a follow, a like, do it all. I'd love to hear your feedback, so leave a voice message if you're so inclined. I want to thank two of my most favorite men on this planet, Damien and Jay, for being our storytellers. Even Darker is made with Anchor and can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts.